On this week's episode of the Swear Wolves podcast, we talk about our favorite horror TV shows. We might even bring up Fred Gwynn, Virginia Madsen, and Mimi Rogers yet again. Welcome to the Swearwolves Horror Podcast, the podcast that discusses all things horror. I'm Brett. I'm David. I'm Alan. And this week we are going to talk about our favorite and not so favorite horror TV shows. Do you guys have any memories of any horror TV shows growing up? I have a lot. <laughs> um, most, I, oh, well, most of them, I, they were on late at night. I couldn't watch them as a kid. Really? But uh, there, there is a few. What about you, Dave? I had some, um, the, the, the Simpsons Treehouse of Horror episodes yes. were ones I would watch every single year. And yeah. I remember there was one year where it actually aired on Halloween, yeah. which was like extra magical. And I remember going trick-or-treating, coming back, and we recorded it on VHS, and nice. then like watching the episode while chowing down on candy. Oh, it was man. a lot of fun. Uh, and then uh, another one would be Tales from the Crypt. But I grew up without cable. So mm-hmm. I would get the the second runs of of all the Tales from the Crypt episodes when they were edited for television. No. So I didn't even know what I was missing. And I remember when they released the series Boops. on DVD, <laughs> yeah. uh, when I bought it, I was like, oh my gosh, there is so much uh, so much extra stuff that oh, yeah. I did not get as a kid. It's a great show. It's the a first, great show. The first, I want to say three or four seasons are really good. They had a lot yeah. of guest stars on there too. Yeah, and guest, guest directors. directors. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, early on, I think uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger directed an episode. I know Robert Zemeckis. Well, yeah. he was a producer, I think, uh, or executive producer of yeah. the show. I know he had a lot, a lot to do with it, and mm-hmm. he directed some stuff too. But I love, uh, I love that show. Well, it's awesome. Let's let's go back to uh, Simpsons Treehouse of Horror real quick. I, I, I didn't really watch The Simpsons a lot. I yeah. I did at the beginning, and I remember them being on the Tracy Ullman show. Yeah, um, that's how far back I go, but. I didn't really watch a lot of the Simpsons uh, when they got into like the, the tree house of horror. I've seen them, but I don't have any memories. Do you have any like memories of your favorite stories or oh, episodes? So many, but uh, one that always sticks out is the, uh, the episode with the monkey's paw. Did you ever see that one where no. uh, Homer, they go to, um, I think they go to Morocco or something and they, Homer goes to this little stand where this guy is selling stuff and he buys this monkey's paw that gives you three wishes. And the guy even warns him. He's like, listen, dude, you don't want this thing. Uh, it's cursed. Uh, I was once, I myself was once the president of Algeria. And he's like, <laughs> dude, I don't want to hear your life story, bro. Just give me the paw. So <laughs> one of the, I think is the funniest gags in the episode is after he buys it, he walks over uh, to Marge and she's like, oh God, where'd you get that nasty hand? And he goes, why at that little shop right over? Oh! <gasps> There and he looks and the the, the store is gone. There's just like <laughs> like just dust blowing in the wind. And then he goes, 
oh, wait a minute, it was over there. And the, <laughs> and the camera pans over and it was just like a couple feet to the right or something like that. <laughs> what I remember about those episodes, weren't they all anthologies as yeah, well? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then uh, Marge says something like, there's something I don't like about that severed hand. <laughs> Great episode. Oh, yeah. Didn't, there, it, didn't each of those Treehouse of Horrors have the aliens in them as well? Yeah, yeah. The aliens would usually make a cameo and yeah. then there'd usually be a gag where they laugh for like... 30 seconds way, straight or something. Yeah. And those things go way back, like the Treehouse of Horror, almost the entire life yeah, span of the say show. Season two, I think, is when they started doing it. Yeah. And they do it every year. And then what sucks now is um, uh, Major League Baseball playoffs mess with that episode oh, that's every right. year now. So you always get the Halloween episode after oh, Halloween, which is kind of lame. That's a bummer. Yeah. But even the new ones, I, I still find funny. Um, I don't really watch The Simpsons much anymore, but I still make a point to record and the watch Tree the uh, Treehouse of Horror episode every year. Another cartoon that was horror inspired that I rather enjoyed was The Real Ghostbusters. Yes. Oh, yeah. Yes. Um, that's on Netflix now. Is, Is it? it now? Yeah. Um, so you can watch that um, from the beginning. And I was watching um, a review on Cinemassacre, uh, and they were talking um, about the show. and it's actually pretty good. Like it's a great when show. he, when he was reviewing it and I, I forgot a lot of it. So I want to go back and revisit it on Netflix, yeah. but there is a lot of serious, not serious, but very like scary stuff. Yeah. The, the monsters and the ghosts uh, were scary. Yeah. And kind of a dark, and the animation was great too. Yeah. yeah. At the beginning. Yeah. At the beginning, but that was on for a few seasons. I see that one was on for a while, and you're right; it was one of those shows where the story was actually pretty good. Like, uh, I know, like Batman the animated series, kind of like two, or like, was like, this is actually a pretty good show, even for a kid's a, show. Yeah, yeah, for a kid show and yeah. a cartoon, pretty yeah. good. Yeah, and the, the characters didn't really look like the ones. Yeah, from Egon the looked movie. totally different. Yeah. Okay, blonde so, hair. But, but they explain it in the first episode. Oh yeah, they explain it that because I never knew this that. The Ghostbusters, the movie with Bill Murray and Dan Aykroyd was actually the movie version of them. And they that's why they called ah, themselves the real, the real Ghostbusters. Ghostbusters. Oh, okay. The real reason why they called themselves the real Ghostbusters, because there was another show there called The Ghostbusters, Ghostbusters. <laughs> with like a, a gorilla <laughs> and a, yeah. <laughs> two old people. Like it was like a copyright like, thing. Or yeah, it was a copyright thing. But yeah. um, and and that was a, a live action kids show in the 60s hmm. and the 70s called The Ghostbusters. When the movie The Ghostbusters came out, they asked permission to use it. Mm -hmm. They said, fine. Well, Filmation, I believe, owned the rights to the name The Ghostbusters. And they saw the popularity of it. So they're like, shit, we're going to do a cartoon version of that live action version from back in the 70s and call it The Ghostbusters. While they wanted to do a Ghostbusters cartoon based on the movie. So they called it The Real Ghostbusters to get around that copyright. So that's why it was called that. But they explained it away saying yeah. it was a movie based on them. That's cool. Yeah, I didn't know that. Yeah. yeah. So again, we should revisit that um, TV show on Netflix and, yeah. and see what our, our thoughts are. But it is a memory that I have. And it was super popular. Like oh, was, yeah. toys. And, I had mm-hmm. tons of the toys. I, I still have, um, there's one called Granny Gross Ghost. that uh, <laughs> still sits on my desk at work. Does remember, her eyes pop out? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Her, and her whole body like kind of opens up like a giant mouth. Both. Yeah, and I still... She's like, like the chick from Blood Diner. 
vagina, <laughs> vagina yes, stomach. The vagina. I, something <laughs> I remember about the Ghostbusters cartoon is I had a crush on Janine. Granted, it was a cartoon, oh, yeah. but I, yeah, I do I had a that. crush on her. Meow. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, there was a really cool a um, board game too that I actually still own, uh, and it was I can't remember what it's called, but there's a it's like a classic horror type board game that there's like a million different versions of where you go through different rooms and there's like. A knight with an axe that can take you out, and then there's like you know stairs that you have to go up. Um, but they had a Ghostbusters themed version of it that was a lot of fun. And nice. I remember getting that for Christmas. It was a three dimensional, yeah, yeah, like a mousetrap type. Yeah, exactly. Oh, that's cool. That yeah, is and cool. I think I remember that. Stuff. Yeah, I've got it. Hmm. We should play it sometime. Yeah, I think we should. <laughs> Let's do it. <laughs> Another one was. Are you afraid of the dark? Yes. Oh, yes. That was on Nickelodeon, I believe, on Friday. That nights. was a great show. No, it was. Was it Saturday? Saturday Night Snick. Yes, that's Snick right. was the block of TV shows, four TV shows, and that was the last one. Yep. And they would sit around a campfire. They'd sit around a campfire, and a kid would tell a story. I can't remember if it was one story for the whole episode, or if if it was like an anthology. I think it was only one story. Yeah, it's hard for me to remember. I just remember the show. But that was a great show. That. Did you ever watch that? I was the kid at school that uh, didn't have Nickelodeon. I didn't have Nickelodeon, so I would have to hear my friends talk about it, and I'd be like, "Oh yeah, yeah, Saturday Night Snick." I'm having a flashback. <laughs> right now. I actually feel very left out. Like, oh man. Yeah. So uh, those are kind of the more kid friendly. There's a couple other kid friendly ones. Um, I got one. What? Well, no, go ahead. But I well, got, I was gonna I'm going to see if you're going to say it. Well, I was just going to move on to like more sitcom-y type stuff. So like The Addams Family. Yes. And The Munsters. Yeah. Uh, both produced way before our times. Um, both of them started in September of 1964. Um, Addams Family went for 64 episodes from September 18th, 1964 to April 8th, 1966. And The Munsters was September 24th, 1964 to May 12th, 1966 on competing networks, hmm. but they had very similar storylines, right? Adam's family was based off a comic. Yep. Right. Um, the Adam's family by, I think it's Charles, Charles Adams. Adams. Yeah. And the Munsters was based off of the universal monsters. Mm-hmm. They actually got permission. That's why, that's why, um, Herman could look like, look like Frankenstein's monster. Frankenstein's yeah. monster. Uh, with the flat head and the green... Well, I guess he had green skin. We don't know, because both of those movies were black and white, but <laughs> um, the uh, they were very universal monster-inspired. Yeah. But they were both these odd families, and everybody thought they were odd. Yeah. <laughs> Except for them. They yeah. thought they were normal. We interrupt this episode of the Swearwolves Horror Podcast with breaking news. Recently, while attending the Horror Tattoo Expo in Phoenix, Arizona, the Swearwolves met Butch Patrick, who played Eddie Munster in the classic 1960s television series The Munsters. We've obtained audio of that conversation, which we would like to play for you at this time. All right, so here we are with the famous... Butch Patrick of the Munsters fame, Eddie Munster. Hello, sir. Hello, sirs. <laughs> Thank you for sitting down with us and uh, taking some time out of your day. Well, we had to part the crowd to get to this table. I know. But, 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 <laughs> I know. Luckily, but luckily, security took care of it. They did a great job breaking breaking through for us. <laughs> we got everybody calmed down, too. <laughs> okay, it's okay, not so loud. Okay. It's pandemonium. Pandemonium. Uh, we were talking uh, while we were getting ready to set up about different conventions that you've gone to, and you mm-hmm. said you had a funny tattoo story. 
Well, I was going to kind of save that for my signing off. But if oh, you want to okay. start, but oh, if you no. want to start <laughs> off with him, <laughs> no, we, we can. Well, you know, when, okay. The uh, one of the interesting things about the Munsters, I travel around the country and. Um, I own the cars, uh, tribute cars, for the last three and a half years, so I've been doing mostly automotive-related events. But before that, to get the money to buy the cars, I was doing Comic-Cons and Pop Culture Cons and uh, memorabilia collectible shows. And the reason I can do that is the Munsters, probably more than any other show, falls into several distinct categories and is popular in all of them. And yep. the ones that I just led, you got pop culture, classic uh, horror, classic TV, toys, ink, in the tattoo convention, so many people have monster tattoos and universal monster tattoos on them yep. that I can go to about five or six di distinct different categories um, and, and fit into uh, all of them. So that's kind of cool. The ink thing, this one here is a horror ink thing, so it's kind of a double-edged sword, but I figured I would come through town in Phoenix, the great town, had a lot of success here, so this is how I wound up being here. Yeah, nice. You you mentioned the universal yep. monsters. I. Uh, we were, we were talking about this earlier. You were you were young when you filmed the Munsters, and that was on the Universal backlot. Yeah, eleven and twelve years old at the time. And uh, the interesting thing back then, um, in the old days, every studio had a specialty. Um, Fox did the disaster movies, uh, MGM did the musicals, and Universal was known as the monster studio. They yeah. did all the great monster flicks back in the 30s and 40s, and they pretty much had a really good handle on it. And what happened was, um, in the mid 60s. Joe Collin and Bob Moser, who had produced Leave at the Beaver, caught wind of um, the Adams Family going into production. And they were looking for another vehicle because they, were, they needed a new show to do. So they decided to take an old idea that Bob Clampett, the animator, had out at Universal in the 40s, which was a, a comedy family of monsters, oh. fr friendly monsters. He took that idea, transferred it to Leave at the Beaver type scripts and production with the Universal monster technique, and they came up with the monsters, which was uh, on paper looked really foolish but, <laughs> but once it became reality and it was pretty much due to Fred Gwynn's taking the character of Herman Munster and becoming Herman Munster and not a Frankenstein monster yeah yeah and then you take the leave it to beaver scripts with the family values and you and you put them into uh, production and it worked out really well yep. yeah that was I mean Fred Gwynn and Al Lewis they were just great together I mean they were on mm -hmm. car 54 where Correct. are you together mm -hmm. and then to see them again uh, on that show with all the makeup and everything it was it was really good now did you get to roam around the back lot that's something like, we were curious about was yeah. the experience yeah. on the on the lot itself well you know a, a couple things yes I did <laughs> but I wanted to run with one other thing is yeah. one of the reasons of the success of the monsters and why it worked was you got to understand that other programming of that era was very open to um, non-reality based situations mr. Ed was very popular my favorite Martian Bewitched, I Dream a Genie came a little after the Munsters, but you can sense that that was it was okay to have a wacky, crazy, wild show that didn't make any sense. That would still fly because it was funny, yeah, for, for funny's sake. Yeah. As far as the Universal back lot, um, not only the back lot but the front lot, during my when I finished my book, it was called Munster Memories. The guy that putting it together, he goes, "Well, what's your memory?" And I said, "Well, my memory really isn't of the Munsters. That was my job. Although I had memories of the job, my favorite memories were going and visiting Ernie Borgnine at the McHale's Lagoon with Tim, a very young Tim Conway. Yeah. Or uh, my uncle would supply horses to the westerns and go seeing Uncle John up uh, at the Virginian or the wagon train set, or see what sound stages were being developed for for features because Universal had like." 27 or 28 active sound stages and a movie would take about four months so you figure that's three movies a year per sound stage so that's a lot of movies in two years yeah then I would always go on a, into an empty sound stage and see them start building whatever set it was it was fun to try to guess what they're gonna do and then about two weeks later you figure it out because it would be completed yeah. <laughs>
that's that's wow. that's pretty awesome. Yeah. Um, the cars, you own the the replicas of the cars. I do. Uh, tell us a little bit about those and how you came to own those. Were they built specifically for you, or no? They were built by a gentleman. Uh, he built them for himself to tour to do car shows. He was a car a car a car guy, and he built. Uh, he worked for a company that could build anything for like Oscar parties. They build giant this and giant that or whatever you needed. So he was a he was a car guy. and He built himself a monster coach and a Dragula. Uh, he was hired. I was at a, a haunted attraction in Virginia, and he was hired to drive me around. And he showed up in, in grandpa makeup, driving the Munster coach. <laughs> and obviously, awesome. we hit it off, yeah. and yeah. we started talking. So after we were done, I said, "You know, you need to book those cars, and I need some cars to book. So maybe we can help each other out." And we worked together for four or five years, and then three uh, years ago, he asked me if I knew anybody who wanted to buy the cars. He was ready to retire, and I wound up buying them from him. Um, so it worked out really well that I was able to uh, attach myself to, not the originals because they weren't available, but two very good tribute vehicles that I'm now doing about 75% of my uh, my appearances now uh, are automotive related. That's very cool. Very cool. Awesome. And, they, and they're functional vehicles? Street legal. Yep. Wow. Awesome. <laughs> Do you blast Rob Zombie's Dragula as you're driving? <laughs> I mean, you know that's I, I right? the, the guy. I, yeah, I do. I, I have the Munster theme in it, but Rob Zombie's is a good one too. Yeah. And the funny thing about Dragula is they did the whole thing in the Munster coach. The Dragula was nowhere to be seen. Uh, yeah, I know. Yeah, that, <laughs> is, that was weird too. Like, yeah, yeah. Wrong, wrong car. Wrong car, Rob. <laughs> we'll tell Rob yeah. that yeah. if we ever talk yeah. to him. So, which, oh, yeah. Uh, so this episode that we're going to uh, air this yeah. interview in is uh, centered on horror TV shows. Okay. And a show that, you know, we're all fond of is The Simpsons, and I wanted to ask you, you did a guest spot on an episode where you played yourself, and you had a funny bit with uh, Gary Marshall. Yeah, Mr. Kidkill. Yeah, Mr. Kidkill. Uh, I was wondering what your experience uh, was. Well, I was, you know, when The when the Simpsons came out in 19, I think it was 1990, uh, I was a huge fan from the Tracy Ullman show, and then they developed it into their own series, and I used to kid to my friends I said man I would really like to be a guest voice on that show before it goes off the air because the rap party is going to have the coolest guest list of all time because uh -huh. everybody who was anybody was a guest voice right. yeah. so in season 11 they contacted me and here we are in season, here we are in season 27 yeah. they're never going to go off the air I'm, oh, yeah. I'm going to be dead before that rap party <laughs> so but the point the, the, thing, the good thing was it was really fun to do they flew me out uh very first class treatment and I'm looking forward to meeting everybody and I get to the studio to do my deal and I walk into the recording studio and there's like 17 microphones in a big circle and nobody there just me oh wow oh man this is like <laughs> come on <laughs> but I did my deal and they gave you really cool gifts and they were nice folks and I was really happy to be part of the the, the Simpson uh, legacy so to speak yeah, but absolutely. I didn't get to meet anybody uh, <laughs> that's what I was curious about if it was something where you just go into a studio and kind of punch in the yeah. audio and punch out yeah you do yeah and they thing. didn't have any really uh, they had some dialogue but a lot of it was just okay you're swinging from a chandelier okay you're on home you're on Homer's shoulders whoa, whoa. it's like you're not stupid this looks. I mean, I can see the people that went with me. They're laughing. I go, I know it looks really ridiculous. But welcome to Hollywood and voiceover work. Now, the Stern Pinball Company yeah. appears that they're working on a Munster's pinball machine. They have not only worked on it; they've completed it. They've completed it. Uh, can you tell us about uh, anything with that pinball machine? All I know is I'm going to go to the pinball exposition world headquarters in the. In March in Texas for their unveiling of oh, it, oh wow, Excellent. and yeah. bringing my cars along, and they're bringing down Pat Priest, Marilyn Munster to join in the festivities, and then um, and then they're gonna, they're gonna un unveil the game, unveil the game, and uh, I guess Leela's a, a finagled uh, my wife has finagled them to load one into my trailer 
awesome. and take that's one awesome. home. <laughs> nice. Very cool. So that's we a are, good thing. We are all big pinball yeah. collectors well, you know what's as funny? Well. You know what's funny about that is it's amazing it took them this long to figure out that a Munsters would be a successful pinball machine because the Adams Family is the most popular pinball yeah, machine right. of all yeah, time. Exactly. And yeah. it's such an easy no-brainer to figure, well, we should have made a Munster one a long time ago, but better late than never. That'll be definitely yeah. one that we're all Yeah, looking I, I, I have an Adams Family pinball machine in my house. I'm very much looking forward to uh, potentially getting a Munsters. To yeah, that's me. I'm, I'm old school, you know, a pool, a ping pong, pinball. I never was a video gamer type of thing. I, yeah. I bought the first video game ever, Pong, yeah. back when I was 18 years old, and that's about the extent of my video game. <laughs> well, Any pinball machines you enjoy personally? Uh, in the old days, I used to enjoy Crosstown was one that I played a lot in this little small town that I'm living in right now okay. for a nickel. <laughs> and uh, Super Spin, I remember Super Spin was the one I liked, but that's about it. Okay. Yeah, Probably electromechanical ones, right? Probably. Yeah. Old ones. Yeah. Um, you, you know, you were speaking of that, and I, I know we got to wrap this up soon, but we were talking about how they made an Adams Family movie. Yeah. Yep. And they've never really, I mean, you guys did some TV movies after the fact, but they never made a Monsters like a big, feature like film. Like a big budget feature film. Well, a Monster Go Home was. It was right after the series, and it was a feature release, yeah. you know, as a feature. Okay. And, and the reason they did that, but after that, they only did, like you say, very marginal, low-budget TV movies. Uh, and I, I only found out recently the reason that movie was made, combination of two things. Number one, they didn't go into a third season because yeah. uh, cost this uh, squabbles between the producers and the studio who's going to pay for the color number two ratings were suffering a little bit batman was kicking our ass and then number three um the uh fred and al were homesick they're from new york they're oh, in la okay. everybody was ready to kind of hang it up it just yeah. seemed to be it was time to go time yeah. to move on and that's why the show never did uh, a third season but in lieu of a third season they went into a six-week production schedule to do a movie to release to the world because they were foreseeing syndication eventually Everybody around the world doesn't know a thing about the Munsters. How do we remedy that? Let's make a movie. Release the movie. The movie becomes, oh, the Munsters, they have a TV show. So they kind of did it ass backwards. In the States, yeah. they did, <laughs> yeah, they yeah. did the series to, and then did the movie. But in the rest of the world, the movie led to the series. Oh, yeah. okay. So it was a marketing. Oh, it's a profit thing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, like, you know, come the 90s or the 2000s, mm -hmm. I mean, with all the reboots and remakes and all that kind of yeah. stuff, I would think it's prime pickings to go, okay, we had this hugely successful show. Let's get some good writers right. in there with the good technology that we have. Yeah, and there seems to be a renewed interest yeah. in horror in general. Yeah, yeah, we could go and do a Monsters reboot or movie-wise. Well, they did Mockingbird Lane uh, about five years ago. Okay. Uh, yeah, A-list, a Brian Singer, director. A-list, Brian Fuller, writer, who did Pushing Daisies, Dead Like Me. And $10 million they spent on it, which is a huge amount of money for a pilot or a two-hour movie, whatever you want to call it. And then A-list, you know, Portia de Rossi as Lily, yeah. Jerry O'Connell as uh, as Herman, Eddie Izzard as Grandpa. I mean, it was a very big budget, over the top thing. Still didn't get, still oh, didn't geez. fly. They, but you know, you would have thought the ratings were horrible. They were just lukewarm after a lead-in of Grimm. I entered, I actually introduced it at San Diego Comic Con that year, and well, that's San Diego Comic Con. Of course, they cheer and scream for everything, but they seem to enjoy it. I was surprised it didn't at least get six episodes out of the deal. Yeah, and it didn't. So. The deal with that, I just had a meeting the other day with lunch with Seth Meyers' people on the West Coast, and Seth Meyers has had the rights to this for a while, and the Wayans brothers had the rights to it for like seven years, and they couldn't figure out what to do with it. Universal is very weird about you know, where they want the Munsters to go. Um, yeah. We don't really know why they are the way they are, but I got a feeling that it's basically young um, college grads or the suits as we want to call them yeah. who basically have a product but they don't really know the product and they don't know the fan base right, and they're right. a little confused about what to do with it yeah um 
so they they like issues they they like issuing the the uh, licensing rights every year because it's a good cash cow. Mm -hmm. The Johnny Lightnings, the the diecast, the the uh, the purses, the T-shirts, you know, all the yeah. stuff that goes along with the Universal Monsters Munsters. But as far as the what to do with it and the pinball machine, pinball machine, they just don't seem to have a grasp on on where the fan base is. Well, and maybe Seth Meyers can figure it out, right? He's, well, he's that's a what, guy. that's <laughs> what I was talking to Seth Sky. That's kind of where they're at. Every month or so, he, he throws it back to Universal and tries to kind of rattle their cage a little bit. So we'll see. We'll um, see. That would be really cool. Yeah. Yeah. Otherwise, um, that that cult following is definitely still there. Yeah. Well, that, I told him I said, you know, I'm out on the, I'm out visiting these people in in the trenches, so to speak, and you know, I think that they are really misreading how valuable of an entity they've got. But in the meantime, I go about my, go about my business with my cars and sort of stay under the radar and uh, have a good time. Yeah. It's fun. It's easy. Uh, it's it's you know, I'm not going to do it forever, but at this point in time, I'm kind of a young 65. I think I got a few more years left of me of doing it because the people enjoy. It. Yeah. My wife is wonderful with the fans. She's good with the fan group. So we, we definitely have a uh, sort of a double-edged thing going on. We're on the ground, and like I say, boots on the ground, but we're also um, occasionally doing the car-related stuff as well. Yeah. yeah. Um, final question. Oh, i got to tell you my story. Oh, yeah, go ahead. Okay, yeah. so, <laughs> the final question. What's your story? You, they have to, I have to set this up with you. It's a little off-color, but what the hell. Okay. So I have a lot of guys that come up to me. And show we me, can relate. They show me the tattoos. So this guy comes up to me, and he rolls his sleeve. like Oh, you gotta see my tattoo. So he's real proud. He rolls up his sleeve and right on his right forearm, this great big Eddie Munster tattoo. He's like, what do you think? Yeah. And I go, tell me you're left-handed. <laughs> 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 the guy goes, oh, man. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> well. And on that note, the swear wolves are signing off. <laughs> that Butch Patrick sure sounds like one cool motherfucker. We now return you to your regularly scheduled program, already in progress. But I loved those shows when I was growing up. I, again, Nickelodeon. It all comes back to Nickelodeon because yeah. Nick at Night, Nick at Night, would show the Munsters and the Adams Family, and I would watch them. I think I lean more towards Adams Family than Munsters. Really, I just thought the Adams Family was just a kind of a well, they were creepy. They were kooky. They're a little more kooky. A little maybe. mysterious and spooky, though. But <laughs> altogether, yeah, it was just the Adams family. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I thought they were, I guess, more realistic. If if that makes any sense, like I was like, <laughs> okay, besides yeah, the hand yeah, yeah, crawling yeah. around. But I thought, like, if I was really rich, I might be that. Oh, because they weird. were weird. They were they were more people. Like they, yeah, they were humans. Yeah. It wasn't a Frankenstein's monster. Exactly. It wasn't a vampire. Right, right. Yeah. Exactly. So they were like human people. And I thought if I was that rich, I might be that weird. Yeah. yeah. Cause I could afford to be. And, and the <laughs> Adams family was just rich. Yeah. Yeah. Who was, knows how it was, it was the type of family. Every goth kid wanted yeah, to be in. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. You got the weird daughter who is like, you know, the, yeah, the goth kid. And then yeah. you got Pugsley, who is just like going along with whatever she said. Yeah. Real quick, did you guys like the movies? I like the first one. The first one? I like them both. Yeah. Um, but I don't think I've ever seen Family Values. I, Adam's Family Values, I didn't like the first time I saw it because it's a lot different than the first one. Um, but I really like it now. I find them both really funny. I still prefer yeah. the first one, but I think Adam's Family Values is, is still a really funny movie. All the camp stuff. Yeah, those, those are good scenes. Yeah. And it gave way to one of the better pins. We were talking about, oh, there you go. Alan and I were talking yeah. about uh, pinball machines and Adam's oh, family. Adam's family's great. It's a great yeah. pinball machine. Um, 
there was also the Tales from the Crypt one, and I didn't remember this one, but it was like Tales from the Crypt Keeper. Yeah, yeah. I don't I don't think I ever watched it, but I do remember I don't remember I, I think, it. I think it was, was a Saturday morning cartoon. Yeah, mm. but I think by the time it came out, I want to say I was a teenager. I think I was kind of yeah. over cartoons. Yeah. Mm. Well, I've never except been except for over the Simpsons. Cartoons. I've never been. <laughs> I, it's hard to explain to my kids about Saturday morning cartoons because no. they have networks dedicated to cartoons. That's well, a lost art. Many networks. Yeah. And it's like, it was an event. Yes, it was. <laughs> For me, if, getting up at 545. If yep. you didn't wake up early enough, you missed some good ones. Yep. All right, getting more into the adult-themed, more scary, not 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 cheesy kid-type stuff. Um, the Twilight Zone. Yes. Probably one of my favorite all-time TV shows. Yeah, me too. Yeah. I love it. It's a horror. It's also sci-fi. But it also has a lot of messages yeah. yeah a lot of social commentary yeah rod yeah. serling did a really good job of injecting his uh, viewpoints into those episodes in such a way that it made mm-hmm. you think yeah and it didn't come across as heavy-handed no it wasn't preachy but yeah. if you really thought about it you're like oh okay yeah that's what he's really talking about <laughs> yeah um you guys did you watch the twilight zone alan i did but what what i remember most about twilight zone is in the in my eighth grade I can't remember what the class was. I think it was social studies or something. Our teacher showed an episode of Twilight Zone. It was the one where the guy uh, was offered, I think it was an amount of money or something in exchange for his vocal cords. He could never speak again. Okay, I know this episode. Yeah, refresh my memory. So what happens is is there's like this um, guy's club. Yeah. And they're all these rich dudes. And there's a guy who just talks so much bullshit all yeah. the time. And somebody makes a bet. Finally, right? this other oh, dude. That's right. This yeah. other dude's had enough of him. Yes. And he's like, listen, I will bet you a dollar amount, probably not a million dollars. It was probably like a hundred thousand. Yeah. I'll bet you a hundred thousand dollars that you can't not talk for an entire year. Yeah. And the dude was like, oh, I'll do it. And they like kept him at this like gentleman's club or whatever it was like so they could monitor him. So yeah. he didn't talk. Yeah. And so he just sat there in silence for an entire year. And when the year sat was up, like an idiot. Yeah. <laughs> when the year was up. um, The one dude was starting to get nervous. The guy who was going to have to pay him a hundred thousand right. dollars. And finally the year was up and they're like, you got to pay up. Everybody's like, he did it. Yeah. And he's like, well, I'm broke. Yeah. I don't have any money. I haven't had any money in I don't know how long. And because uh, this guy, I suck. He, <laughs> he didn't think he could do it. Yeah, he didn't think he would. And neither did the guy, the talker, because he ended up removing his vocal. Yeah. Cords. So what the so what's revealed is the guy takes off his like scarf or whatever, yeah. and he got his vocal cords taken out. So and now he can't talk, and he'll never speak. And again. he's and not going to no have money. any money. Oh, that's bullshit. Oh. And everybody knows that the biggest bullshitter was also. The guy who bet him the money, right? Because he's like, I'll bet you $100,000. He didn't have that. That's yeah. messed up. So he was pretending to yeah. be rich. Well, he didn't think he could do it anyways. So. Yeah. Yeah. No money. Yeah, that was a good one. Yeah. Um, do you have any favorites, David? I got um, a couple. Um, one would be the classic uh, with William Shatner on the airplane with the, the, the monster. Gremlin. Yeah. yeah. Um, and uh, I love that one because of the paranoia. But then going back to The Simpsons Treehouse of Horror, uh, there's a great episode uh, that spoofs that whole thing or Bart's on the bus going to school and there's a gremlin tearing apart the side of the bus and nobody believes him. Uh, and uh, another one of my favorite Simpsons gags ever 
uh, is he tells the bus driver, he's like, Otto, there's a gremlin on the side of the bus. And he looks over and there's an old man driving a gremlin. And he goes, <laughs> he goes, oh, don't worry about it. I'll get him. And he rams the, the guy's car. And then the guy says, like the best singer, he goes, oh, I just made my last payment. And he like, <laughs> like crashes. crashes his car. No, he pulls over to the side of the road and just stops. And the car explodes and he dies. <laughs> it doesn't hit anything. It just blows up. And when it blows up, he goes, oh. Is it that character who's like a mole? Hans Mole Man. Yeah. Mole Man. Great. Hans Mole Man. Great character. Um, I love that episode. And then another one uh, that might be my all-time favorite episode, and it's not really in the horror genre, but it's called The Obsolete Man. And it's about a guy who is a librarian. I believe he's a librarian. And it's in the future, and it's kind of a dystopian type future where every person, essentially, once they reach a certain age, uh, stands trial, and you are you are judged on whether or not you contribute to society, and and if you don't, you're essentially executed. Oh. Mm. Um. So this guy, he's a librarian, and he's basically deemed obsolete. I'm gonna feel bad if he's not a librarian. I want to say he was. It was Burgess mm. Meredith, though. And uh, great actor. So he gets to choose the way that he dies. So he sets it up uh, and he's like, I'm going to keep this kind of a secret, but I want to talk to the guy that like, you know, passed down the judgment. So the guy comes into his room and he's like, and the guy's kind of taunting him. Like, are you ready for your, you know, your last day and all this stuff? He's like, yep. He's like, "Uh, let me tell you about how I'm going to die though. He's like, I've decided uh, I'm going to blow myself up and the door is locked and you're going to die with me. This room's going to blow up. Uh, and the guy, uh, you know, begs and pleads. And long story short, there, he's pulling his leg. There's not, uh, he lets the, well, there is a bomb, but he lets <laughs> the guy out. Um, but then the guy, then he he himself has to face trial and he's deemed a coward and is essentially damned himself. Oh, wow. It's a good one. Yeah, that is a good one. Well, my favorite also stars Burgess Merida. Yes. It's a pretty famous one. Um, it's called time enough at last. Oh yeah. Season one, episode eight. Uh, I'll just kind of read you guys a synopsis. Uh, it is the story of the man who seeks salvation in a rubble of a ruined world and tells of Henry Bemis played by Burgess Meredith who loves books yet is surrounded by those who would prevent him from reading them. The episode follows Bemis through a post-apocalyptic world touching on such social issues as anti-intellectualism the dangers of reliance upon technology, and the difference between aloneness, solitude, and loneliness. So it was an adapted from a, from a short story um, and written by uh, Rod Serling. The script was written by Rod Serling. The short story was written by Lynn Venable. But uh, basically, Burgess Meredith is, uh, again, kind of a librarian type guy. No, he works it's at like a, a bank. Book, he's a bookworm, right? <laughs> well, he works at a bank. Yeah, and he's a real shitty employee. <laughs> yeah. And uh, his boss sends him down to the vault. Mm. And he's down there when a nuclear blast goes off. And so he's like the only localized s- survivor. And he doesn't know what he's going to do. Uh, he's got these big old thick glasses, too. Yeah. So he's like, I'm going to read. And uh, he's so happy. He's like, I got all the time in the world now. I yep, can just yeah. read all yep. the time. And he sets all the books out. And, yep. And yeah. he's like, oh, I got these for this first month and these for this. Uh, and then, uh, I don't know, he turns too quick, his glasses fall off, he steps on them, breaks them, and he's fucked. And he's like, <laughs> it's not fair. <laughs> yeah. There was time. By the way. I had time. By the way, there was, uh, uh, so, although I don't like The Simpsons, well, not that I don't like The Simpsons, although I don't watch The Simpsons, I do watch Futurama. 
and Futurama <laughs> made fun of that episode. So um, in, in one of the episodes, there was this uh, episode within an episode called The Scary Door. And it was like a Twilight Zone type thing. And uh, the final twist uh, of Time Enough at Last is where he breaks his glasses. Well, in that episode of Futurama, when the man loses his glasses and he realizes, he's like, well, I can still read large print books. And then uh, his eyes fall out. Oh. <laughs> and then he's like, well, I can still read Braille. There you go. And then his hands fall off. No. And then he screams and his tongue falls out and his head falls off. <laughs> That's brilliant. And then Bender Bender says, uh, "Cursed by his own hubris." <laughs> but uh, uh, it was just it was just funny um, that all that stuff <laughs> fell off. But I love the Twilight Zone. That's yeah. my favorite. I remember when I watched that, I was just like, "Oh God, he's fucking alone." Yeah, and he can't even read. No air conditioning. It's yeah, <laughs> that's what I always think. Show. It's a great show. I've got the whole series. Well, I think it's all streaming now online. But I've got the like all the box sets yeah. like when it was released and on DVD. Uh, my band, which I will not plug the name, but my band, <laughs> my band is named after an episode of The Twilight Zone, and actually a really shitty episode too. <laughs> it's just a cool name for a band. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, like you said, so many, um, you know, social commentary yeah. in that show. If only people would listen. You know? <laughs> realistically and that show holds up it, it really does yeah you it watch does. it today and you're like some things never change like there's a lot of stuff that's still very relevant yeah, yeah. and uh, a lot of it I, it's just a really really good show and yeah. when they've tried to remake it um i remember like forrest whitaker hosted yeah. uh, a twilight zone and i think in the 80s they tried to bring it back also i believe you're right and they're gonna yeah. do it again uh with um jordan peele um, that might work because I think I'm Jordan Peele really act- excited about it. Jordan Peele's a good uh, writer. Uh, I feel like he's got a respect for the genre. I think he'll do it right. And I he, do, and he's already got a knack for social commentary. Yeah, mm-hmm. and and horror yep. uh, together. And I think Jordan Peele does. Everybody thinks of him as comedian, um, which he is funny. Yeah. But I really like to get out. Oh, I love it. And uh, I I would like to see him do more in the um, horror genre. But you know, Danny McBride also. It, it, look at Halloween two or Halloween, yeah, twenty eighteen. Danny McBride's known for his comedic yeah. talents, yeah, and he wrote a really good horror movie. Yeah, yeah, I remember when they first announced that movie, and I heard that he was attached. I was like, oh no! Yeah. Gonna, <laughs> I love Danny McBride. I was like, he's gonna ruin it. He's gonna no, make he it a, a make it a comedy. Yeah, yeah, they did. It's a great like job. hiring the Wayans brothers to, <laughs> to do it. Although they probably do a good job, I'm I'm sure, but yeah. they're known for comedy. Yeah. Um, Twilight Zone led way to uh, also Night Gallery, which I didn't watch as much uh, in reruns because I don't think it was on for a long time. And no, so they didn't wasn't. have a lot of episodes. Yeah. It was really similar, though. It was um, very similar, but it was more on the horror side, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah. And um, yeah, every episode would begin with like a painting and uh-huh. Rod Serling in a gallery kind of explaining the painting and then the story would connect in some way. How cool was Rod Serling though, by great. the way? Yeah. And he's always, always had a cigarette. Oh, like, yeah. I know. And then I just didn't fucking, give a fuck. He fucking died of <laughs> fucking lung cancer. <laughs> he died of oh, lung cancer. Man. Um, oh, man. Um, Night Gallery, again, tying back to The Simpsons, there's a, a another Treehouse of Horror episode that spoofs uh, uh, Night Gallery too, which... Very cool. Um, another one, I don't know if it's on your list, that's kind of in the same vein as Night Gallery and Twilight Zone, uh, Alfred Hitchcock Presents. You know, yes. it's not on my list, but I remember watching that too. Mm-hmm. Um, my parents actually, I remember when we got our uh, first VCR, it was a beta, and we would go down and rent whatever was available yeah. at that time. You know, they didn't have a lot of movies on beta. You know, there wasn't video stores. Yeah. Like you'd go down to the grocery store and rent 
uh, videos or the gas station even yep, you can go to the gas station yep. we would go to the place where we bought the vcr from yeah uh and they had videos to rent but a lot of them they had was these alfred hitchcock presents yeah yeah and old alfred hitchcock movies those were like the first memories i have of watching uh home movies and alfred hitchcock presents was on that yeah yeah awesome theme music uh yeah. the iconic de- silhouette de- 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 yeah de- de- so good and I loved um, something good that else. Evening. <laughs> good evening. <laughs> um, another thing I loved about that show too is uh, Hitchcock had a really cool. You could tell he hated sponsors and advertising. So whenever they would cut to a commercial, he would always make a joke about it, and he uh, kind of make fun of oh, yeah. the product a little bit. <laughs> He'd bag on it. Yeah, which I thought was pretty smart. Was, okay, so was the Alfred Hitchcock presents? Was there an episode? I believe it was. To light the lighter like 10 times in a row or you'd lose a finger. I can't remember. I've I, got, I, I own Steve, the series. I think Steve McQueen stars in it hmm. in the episode. They, if you've ever seen the movie Four Rooms, um, yeah, Tarantino, Tarantino yeah. um, Robert Rodriguez, um, and two others. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Yeah, those are the only two I can remember yeah. too. <laughs> um, but the Quentin Tarantino uh, episode at the end uh, is the last one. And they were uh, they're talking about an episode and i believe it's alfred hitchcock where they light the lighter mm-hmm. and they have to light it 10 times they're making a bet with this really rich guy and they'll win his car if they can light it 10 times successfully in a row if they mm. can't he gets to chop off one of their fingers wow and then i think in the episode he gets to like nine and then it's like the tension builds but in the four rooms like the guy misses it on the first try (laughs) (laughs) tim roth chops off his finger immediately he cut out his vocal cords too just for good measure yeah exactly and then his eyeballs and his hands (laughs) fell off his tongue falls out i I think we we should look you have the alfred hitchcock presents we should look and see if that's one of the episodes because i'd like to watch that yeah yeah. and if it's not we'll we'll edit we'll just shit out we'll (laughs) edit it out and then uh, (laughs) maybe it never happened happened. (laughs) did you guys ever watch unsolved mysteries I was, oh, I was going to yes. get there. Yeah. I was going to get there, but we can talk about it right now. Uh, Unsolved Mysteries. Ding, 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 I got a little I got a little couple facts about it. Yeah. Unsolved Mysteries, uh, an American true crime reality television program uh, documenting cold cases and paranormal phenomena. The show began as a series of seven specials presented by Raymond Burr, who I didn't realize hosted the first one. I know that. Oh, Carl, I think I knew that. Carl Malden. I knew he did. Yeah. And Robert Stack. I only knew about Robert Stack. Yeah. <laughs> Beginning on January 20th, 1987 and becoming a full-fledged television program right. in October of 1988, hosted by Robert Stack. After nine series on NBC, the program moved to CBS in its 10th season. <laughs> I, this is another piece of fact that I thought was funny for our podcast. After adding Virginia Madsen as a, co- <laughs> <laughs> as a co-host during season 11, uh, it failed to boost the slipping ratings. And they canceled it. They bring um, in Fred well, Gwynn. <laughs> we mentioned him earlier in this episode, too. This episode has Mimi Rogers and Fred Gwynn in it. We're no, getting, Virginia Madsen. Virginia Madsen, yeah. Not Mimi we got to work her in somewhere yeah. and then let the universe employ Yeah. In yeah. those later years, it moved to Lifetime. Yeah, so Dennis Farina yeah. uh, hosted it. Uh, R.I.P. Yeah. He's dead now, too. Yeah. Um, but he hosted it. And then... Uh, but, the, but the good episodes that you're talking about... Yes. ...are... The 1980s and 90s, yeah, Robert Stack years. Yeah, that creepy music and yeah, him kind of standing in the fog. Wearing the trench coat. Yeah. For it not being a children's show, it is one of my favorite, probably my favorite television show from my childhood. 
That theme music. Oh, it's so creepy. I will take that theme music <laughs> over you. just about. I, I think it rivals some of the best theme music in horror movies. Um, it's it's so creepy. And well, I, I used to watch it as a kid uh, in the dark, sitting yep. on the couch, and that, my parents were in the other room, and I would just watch that show and just get creeped out. Well, and that's what I was going to say about this. You know, people might be surprised that it's on our list of horror, uh, some of our favorite horror TV shows, but. It scared the it was shit so out of me. Scary. Well, it was it real was, life horror. Yeah, and it was exactly. eerie. Yeah, it was, it was so creepy. I mean, true crime. That's real horror. Yeah, we and, were talking about that a couple uh, episodes ago. Things that creep us out. Yeah. I, I believe I brought up, you know, the more real stuff. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, it, it's one thing, you know, you watch something and it's fiction, and you know, you get a thrill out of it. But it's another thing when you watch something, and you know, people actually died, or you know. Or they don't know what the and fuck. We don't they know don't know what happened. What happened. Yeah, the they don't know. Part. Yeah, the unsolved part is the creepiest thing. Is there is there any specific story that you still remember? Well, a lot of the a lot of the UFO ones stand out. I mean, that's you know that's that's kind of you know on the science fiction kind of side, but it's not, maybe it's not so much it's still fiction. scary. It's still spooky. But what what always stood out to me, obviously the unsolved aspect of it. But what always stood out to me is when they would show the police sketches yeah now now picture yourself sitting in a dark room on the couch nobody else is in there and the only thing that's lit is a television and then they they put up that police sketch and they don't look human the yeah. guy who drew it do you remember it was really bad but as a kid you could always look at it and kind yeah. of connect it to like that looks a little bit like so and so it's like my dad mm, that's it, my dad it, it just like the sketches just look eerie to me because it wasn't you know it wasn't a perfect sketch do you remember when they did the unabomber episode yes, yes. i i don't and that was a little bit later famous sketches yep. i yeah. do remember that yeah that was pretty crazy yeah. i thought they were never gonna catch that guy but uh um, they did it, it's ted kaczynski you yeah. bastard what the the are. old episodes are currently on hulu so i've been catching up with them i think you know, they're on amazon prime now too. Are they they as well yeah yeah so what's fun watching it now i'm watching these old episodes and they're sparking memories i'm like oh i remember this but what's cool about watching it now is they actually show updates oh that's cool that we didn't get back then like years later so we're watching emily and i are watching episode she doesn't really like it yeah this you is know, scary it, it kind of spooks her out so it's mostly me watching it but i was i was watching it one night and she was there kind of checking it out and uh there was a story about this woman and her kid and a friend go missing and the ex-husband he did it well no here's the thing the ex-husband the ex-husband's grandmother and sister i believe they, they did it they did it but here's the thing i, I do you remember, remember this i remember hearing about they it said, recently they said they dropped off the woman the daughter and the friend or the sister somebody they dropped them off at walmart they said they got in a fight in the yes. car and they left them at walmart and they came they went home and they didn't do that they, they didn't them. do that they found their bodies in a septic tank yeah in their backyard, right? Gross. Yeah, in their backyard. And this and this mystery, this this case, just like a lot of the other ones, go unsolved for years. Yep. But unless you watch those episodes on on Netflix or on, I on do Hulu. I remember hearing about that yes. in the news. Yeah. yeah they was, give yeah, you the updates. Yeah, okay. The news. So you know what else you can do? You can go on to Wikipedia. Yeah. And Wikipedia has um oh, like, like every episode. They have pretty much oh, every yeah. episode, but you can click on those things and it'll tell you what yeah. ultimately happened because I'll I'll share with you one of my memories. So my memory comes from the second special, actually. This is mm -hmm. how far back I'll go. Um it was hosted by Carl Malden. 
And I just remember he's got a very distinct look, Carl Malden, and a very distinct voice. Well, he did. I think he yeah. passed away. I'm not sure. Oh, if he's not dead, I thought you were. Anyway, um, <laughs> but it was a story about this woman who, and I took some notes. She was reported missing by her aunt and uncle in uh, early morning hours of May 12th, which was like right before this. It was like the same year that this aired, too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, when they found her the guest room in which she was staying in empty and its window was broken from the inside out and her nightgown was found behind the family's home. Um, as was an empty canoe covered with blood floating in the lake. Gross. Yeah. And they never found her. Yeah. And I was like, what the fuck? And it just stayed with me because the window was broken from the inside out. It was like, well, why did she break the window? to escape you know and and the door was locked yeah it was like no one broke the window in and and stole her you know because that was yeah. my in my head always like that i was going to get right abducted from my house um she got out and then there was blood everywhere and they didn't really know what happened well they did find out what happened ultimately um i think she was a little cuckoo uh-huh. in the cabeza and she just was without her meds wow. and she <laughs> broke out and um they they never found her. They found her at like the bottom of a, a ravine. Like oh, she geez. fell off a wow. cliff. They don't think that she committed suicide. They think she slipped and fell. Oh, okay. And oh. she was just running to get away. Yeah. But I just remember in my head being like, "What the fuck happened to this woman?" It's like insane. I was, I was like, some of these scared. stories where people just disappear. Yeah, yeah. You know, they just, and they never find them. They never find them. And another thing I want to say about this show is these the reenactments and the effort that they put in the reenactments most of them are most of them are pretty good yes yeah and then uh do you remember like after every episode would end like you would have all these haunting things that would happen and then the end credits would roll and the end credit music was kind of a variation of the opening music and it was also just super (laughs) and even that that, yeah and and even during the segments the music during the segments and the reenactments and it was just Whoever was producing those did an excellent job. Creepy. Yeah. Yeah. No, it was definitely a good show and and I do recommend. The other thing too though, I think that that show led to like uh America's Most Wanted, right? Uh, another I think so. another yeah. show about that kind of stuff, but yeah. Um it did help solve a lot of cases. Yeah. Uh you know, we look at the Ted Kaczynski thing. I don't know if it directly did, but that gave a lot of prominence yeah. to a lot of these cases. It was a very necessary show. It was before the internet. Yeah. Right. Yeah, so absolutely. All they like, had was a hotline. All we had was Wednesday nights on yeah. Yeah, Wednesday, <laughs> ABC or whatever. It yeah. Was. Wednesday night on the NBC. I remember NBC, it. Yeah. yeah. Um, so uh, I just want to quickly go through a couple other stories or a couple other stories, a couple other shows. Um, Tales from the Dark Side. Did you guys ever watch that show? A little bit. I don't remember it well, but uh, saw a handful. Yeah. I never got to see it. So it, was created by um george romero what years was this uh oh early 90s right no this was in the 80s was it it was after the success of creep show okay and so they wanted to capitalize on creep show in fact i think they were gonna call the show creep show which oddly enough tales from the dark side the movie was going to be a creep Creep show Show three (laughs) originally but um because of the success of tales from the dark side they changed the name so Mm. They were going to call it Creepshow, but they 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 kind of steered away from the comic book aspect because Creepshow right. was based on the old EC comics. Yeah. Um, Tales from the Crypt being yep. mm-hmm. the impetus behind Creepshow. Um, but Tales from the Dark Side, the opening 
I'm going to request, if we can, throw the opening up on our website, uh, the link to the YouTube video um, underneath this description, because I would like people to watch the opening credits on that one. It was creepy as fuck. <laughs> um, it always creeped me out. Dark. It would be dark in the house. I'd be watching Tales from the Dark Side, and uh, it was it was pretty awesome. Um, I do have a couple of favorite episodes of that one, but I'll skip over that for right now because I do want to talk about um, Amazing Stories. Did you guys ever? That was a Spielberg one, right? Spielberg produced yeah. in the eighties. Did you? Yep. Did no, you, know, you don't know this show. No, I was born in eighty four. <laughs> I remember. Yeah, I kind of remember it because it was one. I want to say it was on like Sundays or something, like yeah. Sunday evenings. Yeah, yeah, and like I remember it had like real triumphant kind of opening music. Yeah. Yeah. It was was there like a book? There was a book, and then it would go to like this CG yeah. uh, animation, yeah, yeah, and then yeah. there would be like this this tribe telling a story around a campfire in the opening, and then basically there was there was a lot of fun episodes, yeah, but there was also like more serious and scary episodes. If you get a chance to watch Amazing Stories, it is it's the anthology type. Overall, series. it's very it good, suspenseful. Yeah. Um, no, it's just uh, well, weird some of shit. It. Yeah, it's just weird shit. Um. Do you ever see the movie Batteries Not Included? Yes. Yeah. Okay. That was supposed to be a short story okay. in Amazing Stories, but Spielberg was like, this would make a better feature film. And so they made it into a feature oh, cool. film. Yeah. I just found that out the other day. But so it a makes lot sense. of imaginative stuff. Yeah. 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 A lot of fantasy. A lot of, a lot of Spielberg of, stuff. Yeah. <laughs> but you also had famous directors who did uh, episodes on that. I believe Zemeckis probably did okay. or Joe Dante. Yeah. yeah. I think so. um, uh, Spielberg's buddies. Yeah. Uh, Friday the 13th, the series. If you guys ever watched that, did you ever watch I that? I never got Alan? to see that. I, I didn't either, but I think I, I think I own the series. But you should I, I've never you should really it. check it out. Okay, so it has nothing to do with the movies. Okay, that was the great disappointment of my life. So there's no Jason. No, no, it has nothing to do with Jason. Right. The only the only commonalities is I believe Sean Cunningham or somebody associated with Friday the Thirteenth movies mm-hmm. helped produce it. Okay, and one of the actors in it was in Jason Goes to Hell. Okay. <laughs> so the guy uh, from Jason Goes to Hell, like the the guy, good guy. I would say it probably doesn't but, have to have Jason. No, but here's what the story is. The story is really cool. Yeah. This, uh, these two cousins, they inherit their uncle's curiosity shop. Yeah. Right. And um, their uncle had made a deal with the devil and the devil cursed all these items. Mm-hmm. Well, he sold all these items and these items have each have their own individual curse. So whoever has it, mm. you know, it's mostly like greed, right? So they'll get money if they have this item or whatever, and mm. it'll kill their, mm. their whatever. So they got to hunt down. They have a log of all these cursed items and they have to hunt down. So each episode is about a different item that they're trying to get back oh. and put into the oh, vault okay. at the That's back pretty of the cool. That's cool. Yeah. There was another show. I believe it was called like Warehouse 13 or something. Oh, yeah. Or On Area Sci-Fi 51 Network or something. Or one of those. Yeah, one yeah. of those things where they were doing a very similar mm. plot line. But Friday the 13th, the series, if it wasn't called Friday the 13th, the series, I think it would have been more successful. Mm. Yeah, probably. Um, it's, have I not mentioned any that you have on your list here? Um, just a couple, and they're more modern. Um, Ash versus Evil Dead. I had that. Is that on the yep, list? That's on my list, um, too. I thought that show was really good. I was bummed uh, that it's... It's been canceled. After three seasons, yeah. But I thought that show was great. I, I haven't finished 
it all. Uh, does I, have, it, I haven't either. Oh, okay. So but, hopefully there's a distinct ending or did they just get canceled? I don't know. Does I, it yeah, I've got up, it on my DVR. I haven't finished season three. Does it live up to the movies? Yes. It's great. Yeah. It's really, really violent and gory. Oh. Um, but the writing is good. Bruce uh, Campbell. Bruce Campbell's does, hilarious. He does awesome. Actually, they're all really good. That I remember watching the first episode. And within, I felt like within 30 seconds, I was like, I'm in. This yep. show is awesome. <laughs> it is so cartoony. It's very Evil Dead 2, yeah. Army of Darkness. Uh, I liked Evil Dead 2 a little more than Army of Darkness. but it, Well, I should say it's more like Evil Dead 2 because it happens in this plane of existence. Okay. It doesn't happen yeah. like back in medieval times, but it's a really good show. Yeah, yeah it's awesome. And then um, the only other one I think I had on my list, uh, another new one. Um, have you guys watched The Haunting of Hill House? Loved it. Just I, finished it. So awesome. Yeah, I haven't started it yet, but you told me about it's it. It's so, so great. Yeah, yeah Netflix. You, you really you get you got, really got to watch it. Um, it does. It is a slow burn. Yeah, you got to pay attention. Mm-hmm. Um, but once you get past the first three episodes, yeah, it starts. Then you'll appreciate the first three episodes. And there is, <laughs> um, I believe it's episode six. Uh, mm-hmm. Just from a filmmaking perspective, is amazing. That's. Um, it, that's the one there's no cuts there's, there yeah there, the oh, fir- they only there's, cut. a, there's only a handful of cuts and so there's a bunch of cuts at the end because something happens it, yeah. but uh, the build-up like i was watching it i don't think i even noticed i don't think the first cut happens until about 15 16 minutes the in. cuts only happen when it flashbacks mm. and yeah, flashes yeah back and the forward. camera just moves yep. it's around. awesome it's yeah, almost like a play and yeah. i as i was watching it and you know because it's a ghost story so different things are happening in the background there's all sorts of spooky stuff going on they I, i'm very curious how how much time they spent prepping that episode, rehearsing? Because that's one of those like somebody blows a line, or you know, a, someone in the uh, in the background doesn't move something at the right time, so it reappears when the camera pans back. Wow. Like there had to be so much prep for the that. The only thing <laughs> I can think of is if they didn't do that, like you're saying, is they in editing they blended yeah, those yeah. cuts yeah. together because they can do that now. I'd like to think they didn't. I'd like to think. Yeah, they I want to think. Uh, yeah, I want to <laughs> think that they just. It was just good filmmaking. But I got to tell you, the acting in this is so good. Is yeah. Um, Henry Thomas, uh, Elliot. Yeah, from E.T. From E.T. He oh. plays the dad in the younger years, and Timothy Hutton plays him in the older years. And they look so much alike. They do. I didn't realize how much alike <laughs> yeah, they look. Uh, Carla Gugino. <laughs> <laughs> she plays. Sorry, I had something in my throat. Meow. <laughs> she plays the mom. <laughs> Um, actually I just watched spy kids last night with my daughter. <laughs> she's in that. That's a good movie. Um, she's in that with Antonio Banderas. Um, Meow. <laughs> yeah, true. He's a very handsome fellow. Uh, and he played a cat in Puss in Boots, right? He did. Oh, that's right. There you go. Puss and Puss in Boots. Uh, she is in it. She plays the mom. Uh, that, that's about it for like, yeah, and then some of the kids recognizable, yeah. but but the kids, the younger versions of the kids, they're awesome. They're great, yeah. And then the the kids when they're older are awesome too. It's it's a really good, it's a really good flick or er, er, show. Yeah, show. show. I hope they don't ruin it. <laughs> I have a feeling they're going to ruin it by making another season. However, the filmmaker, uh, the guy who, because uh, it's adapted from a book, but very loosely adapted yeah, from yeah. the book, um, he said that that story is done of good. that family. So if they do another one, it'll be a it'll whole be a new story, story. kind of like how American Horror Story works. How is that show? American Horror Story? Yeah. I love it. Yeah. 
Yeah, I love it too. Um, there's a couple seasons that I'm kind of eh about, but yeah. um, for the most part, I think it's really, really and that's been really on a while, well hasn't yeah. it? Yeah, I believe we're on season eight right now, something like that. Mm. And uh, yeah, there's some really good seasons. There's some really not so good seasons. The problem I have with American Horror Story most of the time is that there's awesome buildup, yeah, and very little payoff. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. It's just like a swift kick in the nuts in the last episode. And you're like, hmm, are the it? episodes like standalone or is it a nope. continuation? No. Each season is a, is a new story. Okay. Yeah. So you got to really watch a season, but you don't have to watch except for this most recent season. Mm-hmm. It would probably be, be beneficial to watch at least yeah. two of the other seasons. Yeah. yeah. This, this current season has some throwback to previous seasons. Yeah. So, um, but usually you can just watch one season. Yeah. Um, but that's all on Netflix. Okay. Uh, all the seasons except for the most recent one because that's currently airing. Yeah. Um, some of the best seasons of that one is the first one. Um, okay. They call it Murder House. Um, the third one is called Coven. Uh, I actually like the second one, Asylum. Yeah, Asylum was good. The only season I really didn't freak like show. was the Freak Show one. Yeah. Mm. Yep. That's the one everybody usually says yeah. they don't like. Meh. Yeah. It's kind of boring. I don't think I even finished it to be honest. <laughs> Hotel is a good one. Lady Gaga's in that Hotel is season. Good. And Lady Gaga's good. Meow. Lady Gaga is uh <laughs> getting a lot of <laughs> Yeah, with uh, Star is Born. Yeah. Um yeah, she does a really good job. She's a good performer. Yep. Um She's great. So, I wanted to talk about we, we talked about Tales from the Crypt earlier uh briefly before we got onto a different subject. But uh, here's something I just found out. Tales from the Crypt spawned two movies, right? Yep. Demon Knight, Bordello of Blood. Demon Knight, Bordello mm-hmm. of Blood. Right. Did you know that Quentin Tarantino's From Dust Till Dawn mm-hmm. and Peter Jackson's The Frighteners were both in consideration to be part of the Tales from the Crypt really? movies? Really? Yeah. I did not know that. Yeah, oh. but they, they rejected them. Oh, what? <laughs> and I would prefer... Listen, I like Wait, Demon Knight. who rejected Knight, them? The Tales from the Crypt people. The people? Okay. Huh. I would... I like Demon Knight. Bordello Blood is meh. Agreed. Um, it has De- good moments. Demon Knight so. is really good. Yeah. I would prefer to watch The Frighteners and From Dusk Till Dawn <laughs> before either of those two movies. So, yeah. Um, but there was some really good episodes of, of Tales from the Crypt um, that I, I really like. One in, uh, specifically was the Kyle MacLachlan was in an episode where he was like a, an escaped convict. Mm-hmm. And this police officer like handcuffs himself oh, to him. Oh, yeah, yeah. And they're walking through that the desert. And then he ends up killing the cop. And so he has to drag his body through yep. fucking Yuma. And, uh, <laughs> there's buzzards flying ahead. Uh oh. And uh, he ends up like falling off a cliff or something somehow. And he breaks his neck and he's still alive. And he's all, mur, mur, and the buzzards come down and, and eat him. Oh, um, so, as far as TV shows go, uh, let's see. Mom. Um, Oh, and go see, ahead. The Walking Dead. Oh, well, uh, we yeah. Like, I, I, was, <laughs> I, I was going, if you didn't tell, I was going chronologically. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, Walking Dead. Um, how are you liking this season? Uh, I'm liking it so far. Um, I know a lot of people uh, are over it and have tuned out. But one thing that annoys me is I... If you don't like the show, stop watching. I, I'm getting really sick of, <laughs> of people like, I'm totally done with the show. And then they keep watching. It's like, yeah. if you're done, you're done. The one like, thing I'll say about this season, And though, there's people that, that are rooting for it to fail. Like, oh, why? once Rick leaves, like, I'm over it. And I hope oh. the show, like, gets canceled. Because like, they're fucking well, assholes. Well, I hope the show gets good. Because I, at the end of the day, I want everything I watch to be good. Yeah. And if the show doesn't do well, well, then cancel it. So, but I'm rooting for it to and be And why, why root for something to fail? Yeah, yeah. I, don't why, I never are, understand Why are that? people yeah. complaining about it? What's going on now? Like, okay, so... And this is my my wife's big complaint 
She no, said, is there less zombies now? Yes. Oh. She, my wife's big complaint is that when the show started, it was a show about zombies. Yeah. My justification behind that is the show has never been about zombies. No. Zombies were always tertiary. You like that? Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Good word. To the main um, plots mm-hmm. of the show, which is how these groups of people survive either with or against one another. Yeah. The walking dead aren't the zombies. Yeah. It's the The walking dead are the people. We are the walking walking dead. Dead. (laughs) (laughs) If you play Alan's uh, walking dead pinball, you'll hear that. Mine's got that in it too. Yeah. Mine. Um, So anyway, that's why people are complaining, at least from my, my point of view is that there's less and less of the zombie storyline and it's all, well, and yeah. what makes it cool too is Human. I like it because most of the people that die in the show die at the hand of people. Yeah, yeah, that's <laughs> true. I mean, zombies they don't get eaten. Going back to the who's the monster kind of thing. Yeah, zombies. You know, the monster is in movies and shows. Uh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> you, you know, zombies are always going to be zombies. What always fascinated me are the the survivors. Are they going to survive? What are they going to do? Exactly. You know, so it's just weird to hear that people and you are know, complaining. Yeah, and if you ever watch the. I forget the original Dawn of the Dead sometimes. I think they worked really well together in Dawn of the Dead. But the remake of Dawn of the Dead I that they it. did, I, I liked I also. Liked it a lot. Yeah, I but just, do you remember how that remake, it was very like, there were certain guys who took the power and they were like, oh, yep. yeah, we're going to be like this. That was how the humans interacted with the, when faced with the prospect of uh, a, 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 no rules, basically, yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah. I've always been fascinated with like stories where yeah, there's no rules or money doesn't matter. Yeah. Like things like like that people use as you know for power now. Like yeah. when those things become irrelevant. The roles become right. and, reversed. And people really show their true colors. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah exactly. Um, one thing that does bother me about this season of The Walking Dead, though, is that they keep building up. It's Rick Grimes' last two episodes. It's Rick, <laughs> I, I the, the countdown thing. I, yeah. I, I really think like the only reason why they did that is because Andrew um Lincoln Lincoln announced it. Yeah, if he wouldn't have announced it, they sh- they should have just made it a surprise. But they're building it up now because they want viewership to be probably right. higher. Yeah. Um. Mm. But but I think it's a good show. I, like I really do. And I'm curious. By the time this airs, like we'll know Rick's fate. Yeah. Uh, so that'll be interesting to see how that <laughs> plays out. Sometimes there is those moments where it's like, okay, that motherfucker should have died. Yeah. And they. Oh yeah. Die. There's been a lot of. There's a lot of. Do you uh, remember when Glenn was the still trash alive? Can yes. Yes. He should have died. <laughs> yeah. He should have died. Now, what's the spinoff, Fear the Walking Dead? Yeah. Fear the Walking Dead. I watched a little bit of the first season. Mm-hmm. Is it just different characters? It's, it's a, a completely different, yeah. It's different a different coast. Different story. Yeah, it's it takes in place California. in California. Oh, okay. And it's right when it starts happening. Oh, okay. Yeah. Whereas with the Walking Dead, you... It gets you right into it, right? Rick, the main kind of character throughout yeah. the whole series, um, or initially the main character, he wakes up from like being in, in a coma. coma. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of like 28 and it, and it's days already later. Happened. And he's law enforcement too. Yeah. Yeah. He's yeah. A so in that show, the first episode, that that was when it first started, right? So yep. who they were shooting at was a zombie. Yeah. Him and Shane. Yep. Was his name Shane? Yeah, Shane. Uh, they were shooting at was a zombie and then Rick gets shot or something. I don't know what happens. He gets wounded. And yeah, he gets wounded somehow and then he gets put in a coma and then it's like six months later and he wakes up and he's like, what the fuck? And nobody's around. Yeah. And he has to, he's trying to find his family. Yeah. And I've heard that, um, similar to you, I watched the first season of Fear the Walking Dead and I got probably three quarters of the way through it. And I just wasn't in, I, I couldn't, I didn't like any of the characters. Mm, there was just nothing that resonated with me. So I, I stopped watching and I've heard that the show's it's, gotten really good. That's what I've heard. So also. I feel like I need to pick that one back I up. Think or Morgan check it out. is in that show yeah, now. Yeah, he is. Yep. Which is weird. 
That I don't know how they cross over. Yeah, I don't know how they did that, but like, I'll have to yeah, check it out and see why. Hop on a plane. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Is The Walking Walks up there with your guys' favorite zombie movies? Yeah, I mean, taking like collectively, I'd say so. Like, if you took the best moments from The Walking Dead and condensed it, yeah, th- there's some there's some episodes of that show that are fantastic, but there's, there's a lot of filler. Um, there is a lot of filler. There's some, like David said, there's some episodes and some characters that you really want to see more of. Mm-hmm. And there's some where you're like, fuck this. Yeah. <laughs> like, I really like Negan. I really like that character. I do too. And a lot of people hate him. Like, I find he, him really. I he makes him, the show. I find him delightful. Yeah. Um, I hated the governor. The governor was so boring. <laughs> and everybody's like, oh, the governor was way better than Negan. Like, well, fuck Get, get out of here. Um, but uh, I will say this. The special effects on a TV show. Yeah. The special effects are fucking phenomenal mm. uh the zombie effects i think yeah. are, are it, amazing which is weird because would you agree some of the other effects are terrible <laughs> like they when they use like cg animals like there's one episode where there's like a cg deer and it or looked, the or like, the tiger yeah or it just looks like a cartoon like yeah it's like but what? the zombies are the great. zombies yeah. look fantastic yeah yeah um early on in the show mm-hmm. i think it was a little bit more raw yeah. less polished mm-hmm. um I'm, specifically like when they get to the barn yeah like the first two three seasons like are really really good i really liked them yeah yeah but um but that american horror story like for shows on now uh that american horror story oh you know what other show was in the 90s the x-files x-files that was kind of scary there was a couple episodes of that where you're like what yeah. the fuck you know, it's a sci- size you know science Sci-fi fiction horror. but yeah there were some episodes where it did get a little spooky yeah sure. but yeah. yeah that was a great show but as it went on you know it kind of got like when Mulder was gone. You yeah. Know, was Robert like, Patrick uh, came around. But you know what? I like Robert Patrick. There were some good episodes there as well. He was in Spy Kids, by the yeah. way. <laughs> Spy <laughs> Kids. He was, he was the bad guy. Uh, do you guys got any last thoughts on horror shows or TV shows? Nope. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, if you guys have any thoughts on horror shows, if you agree or disagree, or you, or if we missed one, I'm sure we missed quite a few. Um, please contact us. Where can they contact us? You can contact us, us a few different ways. We're on Twitter at the Square Wolves. We're also on Facebook where we are the Square Wolves as well. Uh, we have our website, theswearwolves.com, or you can email us directly at swearwolvespodcast at gmail.com. And for the Swearwolves this week, I'm Brett. I'm David. I'm Alan. Keep watching the boob tube. <laughs>